Hi everyone, my name is Elena Faulkner, and I'm pleased to welcome you back to another episode of To Renaissance Hell and Back. This week, we're studying Dr. Faustus by Christopher Marlowe, a particularly relevant text that will truly bring us to hell, but perhaps not back. Marlowe's play focuses on the titular character, Dr. Faustus, who feels that he has actualized the limits of then-modern 16th century academia. In the pursuit of new knowledge, he makes a deal with Lucifer to unlock abilities in black magic. With the assistance of the demon Mephistopheles, Faustus spends 24 years living a life of unlimited magical power and dangerous knowledge until he is forced to give his soul to the devil, despite the doctor's desire to repent his years of sin and be saved by the grace of God. The publication history of this text is nearly as intriguing as its spellbinding plot. Though the first performance of Marlowe's five-act tragedy took place in 1588, it wasn't until 1604 that the first print edition was published. However, because of the scandalous subject matter and the strict censorship status of 1606, the text was revised and the second edition was published in 1616. Though based on the same German source text, the A text and the B text, or the earlier and later edition respectively, vary widely in their structure and intention. The A text, which is what we'll be focusing on today, includes many more inclusions of comedy and slapstick style situations than the harsh focus on eternal damnation in the B text. Considering both the controversial plot focus as well as the complicated publication history, the play itself demonstrates an evolution from the canon thinking and religious conformity of the Middle Ages into enlightened search for knowledge and the Protestant Reformation of the Renaissance. Interestingly, Marlowe, a thinker of the Renaissance, seems to give a cautionary tale through Faustus to illuminate the unlimited search for knowledge and the consequences of straying beyond the safe confines of English institutions and power structures. In essence, Marlowe arguably lobbies for a certain limitation of knowledge. Yet, Dr. Faustus does stray past a multitude of accepted early modern texts in that Marlowe demonstrates on stage what it means to go beyond safe knowledge by using demons and sacrilegious comedy. For example, in scene 8, Faustus and Mephistopheles travel invisibly to the Vatican to scare the Pope into thinking a soul has escaped from purgatory and is tormenting him. Coming from a Protestant Marlowe, this is a clear example of mocking old Catholic tradition and institutions for the purpose of exalting the newer Protestant faith. It is this mix of seemingly conservative rhetoric mixed with blasphemous plot devices to advance a more modern agenda that has caused controversy and argument both in 16th century England and modern day. So the question to be answered is this, does Marlowe in and of himself go beyond safe knowledge and power institutions, such as the state and church, thus giving a cautionary tale about both Faustus and himself? One way we might go about answering and understanding the convoluted nature of Dr. Faustus is through the lens of 18th century Enlightenment thinker Edmund Burke. Burke, though most highly cited for his revolutionary ideas on aesthetics and the sublime, proposes an idea of novelty that coincides with the anxiety of the pursuit for new knowledge present in Marlowe's play, despite the over a hundred year difference in their respective dates of publication. 
Though he concedes that some degree of novelty is necessary to disrupt the potential repetition and monotony of everyday life, Burke argues that the desire for novelty is the most superficial of all the affections, and that one risks regressing into a childlike state where our attention is engaged by everything, thus rendering us giddy, restless, and anxious. This should not sound too unfamiliar to the modern listener, considering how often one checks their phone in search of new notifications or messages, or in a word, novelty. Yet for Dr. Faustus, novelty is intrinsically associated with rebellion, dangerous modernity, and perhaps a great societal fear of the unknown. Throughout the play, Faustus shows a consistent desire for something new, first beginning in an area of study, then more inaccessible spells, then finally moving towards a rapid cycle of new uses of his magical ability, in comedic or tragic ways. Indeed, not only does the curiosity of Faustus endorse danger, but each venture into the unknown comes at a greater and greater cost. First, a diminishing social reputation, then loss of blood, which turns quickly into loss of soul, and eventually the most expensive cost of all, eternal damnation in hell. Scholar Robert Ornstein finds that Faustus's aspiration and ambition in his pursuit of novelty change from striving to become a god, but instead becoming less of a man, whose preoccupation of mind destroys his soul. So not only is Dr. Faustus a cautionary tale of the Renaissance for the scholar questioning too far the power structures and hierarchies of one's country, but incorporation of Burke's ideas of novelty transformed the titular character into a transferable example of the danger of sacrificing one's soul, individuality, and self for the sake of knowledge. While some degree of novelty is productive, as writers and creators Burke and Marlowe would most likely agree, Dr. Faustus demonstrates how unproductive and damning the preoccupation of curiosity is for the society and individual, perhaps a reflection on Marlowe's own anxieties. As 21st century readers, the knee-jerk response to these reactions of the pursuit of knowledge and the unknown may strike us as themselves unproductive. Where would we be as a society and a world without curiosity? Isn't it better to test one's limits for the sake of progress? But our anachronistic viewpoint can only take us so far without acknowledging the advantage of perspective and protection we have of thought. Yet maybe our own societal complications may help us understand the dichotomous nature of Dr. Faustus. We lobby for new perspectives and freedom of thought, yet do we really value novelty and innovation in the age where social media and technology repeats to us more of the same? The struggle of the boundaries of safe and dangerous thought for the sake of accepted progression, while perhaps in form different, permeate Dr. Faustus, Burkean philosophy, as well as our modern culture. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.